Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Independent Animation, a podcast brought to you by Squiggly Online Animation Magazine. I'm Ben Mitchell, Editor-in-Chief here at Squiggly, and for this episode I'm joined by Squiggly contributor Mel Sionko. Mel, how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fantastic today. Good stuff. Mel, you're joining us today to help introduce our guest who you spoke with recently from the independent Australian studio Glitch Productions. And this, I think, represents an important area of the independent animation spectrum, something we're seeing quite a bit more of, where shorts and pilots and even full series are being produced by independent operations, sort of on their own terms sort of outside of the traditional pathways to series production that most established studios are kind of beholden to. And in the independent animation book, we talk a bit about the evolution of the online indie scene, kind of going back to its roots, speaking with like independent creators like Jaunty Picking, people like Ant Blades. Uh, in the second edition, we also have Yost Lyoma, who does Cartoon Box. Uh, and in the last few years... Sort of outside of that, I've seen some pretty incredible success stories with the likes of Vivzy Pop, uh, you know, Hasbun Hotel, Hell of a Boss. Earlier this year, you spoke with uh, Tracy Butler and Fable Siegel, who did the pilot Lack of Daisy. And that, I think, I last I checked was something like 12 million views, uh, full five episode season in the works. And those examples, I think, represent a bit of a sea change where independent animations are going beyond viral, but sort of into like phenomena unto themselves. And I think that would definitely be the case with Glitch, especially considering the success of their pilot, The Amazing Digital Circus, which when I last checked this morning was at something like 175 million views on YouTube, which uh, it went up two months ago, that's insane. It has become one of the highest seen and viewed pilots in YouTube, yes. Yeah. So how did these folks wind up on your radar? Well, basically, uh, I actually followed one of their lead animators, Kevin Temer. Mm -hmm. For quite a while, he was a previous animator over at Blue Sky before it shut down. And uh, now he does his own uh, very silly uh, musical animations over at YouTube. And I saw that he was going to start being a lead, a lead animator for Glitch and specifically for their long-running series, Murder Drones. And that's the first time ever I heard of Glitch as a studio and also in their works. And I started watching uh, all their series, uh, Sunset Paradise, Meta Runner, and Murder Drones. And so when they dropped the Digital Circus, I was also kind of already uh, familiar with their work. And let me tell you, uh, it was something very, very spectacular to see because they really put so much effort into like, how how can we make this not only unique, but also so, because it's so high standard for independent animation. And also mm. it's, it's very good for self-funded animation. It's it's very very outstanding the work that they do, and no, it it's also very inspiring. So that's how they came into my radar, and I think it's also just if you spend a lot of time in the indie animation side of especially YouTube indie animation, uh, you're about to to see this kind of like new drops of like works that just stand out and just like gain so much popularity yeah so it started by i think brothers kevin and luke were you familiar with what they had done much before starting up glitch 
not really no actually that's that's a lie because i am familiar with one of their works which is msg4 mm-hmm. i used to watch it a lot as a kid and it's it's very astounding because during the interview i actually in the during the interview that you're about to hear uh jasmine quite talks about msg4 and I kind of then, like, my eyes put down. I was like, oh, yeah, you were the same people who worked on that. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it's kind of a circuit connecting. Yeah. So this is going to make me feel old. When you say, like, when you were a kid, when about would that have been? 2000, 2010s. So they, they have a sort of reputation that they kind of were able to build on, which I imagine probably helped sort of being known in that sphere. And it's interesting, like you say, production values-wise, at a glance, you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, this is an independent production. Like, speaking specifically about uh, Digital Circus, which is what I'm most familiar with. And I think that watching it and sort of, it's the script, I think, that kind of really yells out that it's independent. Like, there's something, I think, very kind of unfettered by... Uh, all of the kind of busybodies that kind of get their hands on, say, an episode of a preschool show or a YA show and tighten it up on one hand, but also kind of restrict it in another. This felt very unrestricted as a script. And I think that's something that there's probably quite a bit of an appetite for out there. There is, especially for just very bizarre and very chaotic series that just say, how far is too far? How how much can we make this how 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 funny can we make this single scene? What what can we make it happen? Yeah. No, I this kind of humor, I think it's very good when it especially in animation. Yeah. Yeah. So again, not being as familiar then with their other shorts and the other other shows and stuff, from what you've seen of it, like are they quite different tonally? Is Digital Circus quite unique or do they all kind of share that same sort of sensibility, that kind of like boundary pushing? I think Digital Circus, and if we talk about specific about Digital Circus, I think it does share into a little bit of how far can we take it when it comes to not only the limits of what people are already seen in YouTube, because what we're currently seeing at the moment, at least with YouTube independent animation, is the fact that animation is asking itself, okay, this has been seen before, so how can we make it more unique? How can we actually show animation in a new way? And with Digital Circus, for example, they use a lot of different mediums during that pilot. And also with Murder Drones, it's very outstanding when it comes to trying to be a full series of 20 minutes each episode. Hmm. And because before what we had is that maybe some shorts would be like five to 10 minutes, uh, luckily more than that. So yeah, I think I think it's, drawing inspiration from that kind of uniqueness that more shorts are going for and more series are going for. But also it has to remain restricted into budget and to budgets into into kind of regulations and also appealing to a larger audience. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else that you'd say about Amazing Digital Circus that, like, any sort of particular qualities to it that people have particularly latched on to? I'll say, like, I haven't really kind of followed much by way of audience response to it or discussion, and I was wondering if maybe you had at all and if there was anything that people were really kind of, like, getting out of this uh, in particular. People are really loving, I think, not only the character designs, 
but also the way that the animation seems. For example, there's this one reel that got posted by the official social media that was of the character walks, the this walking, walking cycle of each character. And each one of them had different, not only different personalities, but also different rates. So mm-hmm. I think what people are, and what I mentioned before, is the fact that what people are mentioning right now is just how high quality this pilot is and how it follows again into this kind of cycle that Blitch is going for in which it's asking itself like how how good can we how far can we take it the next time how good can we take it this time what can we show in this way and no yeah also it's just very very good to see more 3D animation when it comes to YouTube and Mm. everyone is talking about that a lot as well everyone's saying how like there's going to be kind of a renaissance when it comes to YouTube where people are going to start realizing that maybe now they should take it to a 3D level. Hmm. It'll be very interesting to see. Well, that's fantastic. Um, So you have a short chat with Digital Circus creator Gooseworks uh, up on the site. It's in the article that accompanies this podcast. If people listening want to give that a read. Uh, but you also spoke with the studio's general manager, Jasmine Yang. Yes. And uh, Jasmine wears a few hats at the studio, correct? Yes, yes, they do. She's uh, lead one of the lead writers for it as well. And I think she has going to be a very wonderful person to hear from. Fantastic. Well, I am keen to hear more. Uh, so let's go ahead and press play on your interview with Jasmine Yang, general manager and development producer at Glitch Productions. Okay, so Astaro, thank you so much, uh, Yasmin Yang, for joining us today at the Squiggly podcast. If you could just begin by just telling us, uh, because I understand that you came from a background of writing, best-selling D&D books, and then helping a podcast called Reroll. So how did you end as the development producer for Glitch and its head writer as well? Uh, so I knew the founders, uh, Kevin and Luke from back in university. Um, I was friends with Kevin with Witchable, um, and we actually played D&D together back in the day. Um, and so when he was growing the company with his brother and when it was just like a few people, um, I uh, saw that he was looking for someone to help him run his business as an operations manager. And I've been studying some business uh, for quite a while and was looking for something that was exciting. So I hopped aboard and then he remembered that I'd actually written several books for D&D, and he asked if I could help out with writing some of uh, the YouTube content, which I did. And it just kind of went from there. We wrote uh, SMG4, then Meta Runner, Sense of Paradise. Uh, and then eventually, when Murder Joints came along, um, I was assigned to work with Liam Bickers on developing the scripts for that and the story and the season. Uh, and then the same thing with Digital Circus, where when uh, Gooseworks came along, we started working together to develop the, the script and story and all of that. This is inception like four years ago. Uh, how how much has the production, when it comes to series and making them happen, has changed for Glitch? Uh, pretty massively. Um, so when I joined, we were like six people in the back of Kevin's house, uh, just working in his living room on uh, tiny little computers and stuff. Uh, and now we are about um, a 30, 40 member plus uh, company 
Uh, we literally just moved into a new office on the top floor of a building. Um, and yeah, like the, the budget and team and skill of, um, the production has just skyrocketed in those four years. Literally, you became one of like Australia's biggest independent animation studio. I, I read that. I was like, wow, that's, that's massive. How does that feel? Um, I don't think it's really sunk in, to be honest. Um, like, because I've been here so long and it's always just kind of happened. And like, we've always kept the same attitude as we were when we were back in that living room. It don't, we don't feel like we're really on top of everything yet. We still kind of feel like those those random kids that were just making weird stuff on the internet. Yeah. So it literally feels like you kind of like just became just more professional about your hobbies and about like your interests kind of became yeah, in, your job. Yeah, in several ways. <laughs> and... uh as, as kind of like because the thing is for me what i find amazing and like so uh kind of stellar is the fact that you are publishing not shorts but full-on series to youtube you're published you're you're making seasons episodes that every episode lasts between 15 to 20 minutes and usually you don't see that from independent studios you see them starting up with uh, kind of shorts or commercials or trying to kind of find its footing press first before diving into series making so why did the glitch immediately go into that um so we had always uh, so there was like a side channel which is actually our main channel for the longest time called smg4 that's run by uh, Kevin's brother, Luke Ludwigable, who's the other founder of the company. So that actually was kind of our shorts uh, back in the day. Those videos are only about 10 minutes long, uh, really quick, fun Gmod Machinima's uh, parody videos. And that actually did fund us for quite a long time from the success of that channel, which we were then allowed to use to make these longer videos. So, I mean, in several ways, we did actually, we did actually start with uh, short form content and move into this longer form content here in Glitch. But now in its production of the series, would you say that what's the kind of like the difference then for you, for, for um, SNG, for and for Glitch of making series, full on series to making shorts? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously the SNG4 team is a lot smaller and in several ways works a lot faster because it is a weekly release. Um, like they do an amazing amount of work to get everything done, uh, every single week and never miss a single time. Um, while with glitch, you know, because these are intended to be much bigger, more, much more ambitious projects, we do feel, uh, able to just give it the time it needs to actually finish and not brush it out the door. And again, like, because we had SMG4 to support us. We were pretty. In a, we were in a pretty lucky position to, you know, be able to delay things until they're ready and be able to afford that and not be like we have to push this out otherwise because you know the bank's going to close the lights on us in like two days. And the thing as well that kind of amazes me is the fact that you keep on publishing all these shorts and I mean all these uh, episodes and series and seasons on YouTube. Do you make that your primary platform? Is that because of your influence? And your history with SMG4, or is that because of something else? 
Uh, so it's a combination of that as well as the future. So, I mean, YouTube is a playground that we're very comfortable with um, because obviously Luke um, has been working on YouTube since he was 13 years old. Uh, he's been at this for more than 10 years. We're very familiar with the, the culture and um, just how to operate in the space. So when it came to publishing longer form content that we have on Glitch, you know, we knew the kinds of stuff that would work well on YouTube and to a YouTube audience. And the other is just that um, we really do appreciate the kind of creative freedom that YouTube does provide uh, because, you know, we don't have to sidestep around uh, a streaming service or any of their requirements. We can do whatever we want, which is always what we kind of look for whenever we greenlight a show is would this, would this be something that you see on Netflix or um, or on Hulu? And if the answer is no, then we're like, all right, then we'll go make this. Why, why do you go with that approach? Um, well, it does make something different because like we'll fully admit um, as successful as we are, we can't possibly match a budget by Netflix or Disney. Um, or you know any of those big players, but what we can do is take these risks on niche content that we're fairly certain is going to really, really appeal to certain audiences that have historically not been served very well by mainstream networks. Yeah. And how is kind of like how is it like maintaining a full running show on? somewhere as YouTube, because the difference between like streaming services and YouTube is that streaming services, at least like they keep some kind of, um, like they keep some kind of stability with it. YouTube can change from one day to the next and because it's a social media platform. So it's regulations keep changing. It's kind of like what it asks of animation of animators and studios keep changing as well and content creators. So how is it like to maintain like a wrong learning short uh, series on that kind of platform? Yeah. So, I mean, two things. One I'd say is that again, we're, we're very familiar with like the, the rhythm that the YouTube algorithm goes through. Obviously no one can like exactly predict what it's going to do next, but we're fairly certain we can like pick up on where the winds are blowing at any given time on YouTube and adjust what we need to do. Um, the other one I'd say is that I I would actually say that like especially with what's happening to animation these days on the streaming services that they don't actually have a lot of stability. I mean, um, HBO Max, uh, you know, last year had that very big controversy where they were just deleting a whole lot of um, deleting a whole lot of animations or just straight up canceling them before they got to air. Um, you know, Netflix is infamous for never uh making anything past season two so i think that yeah like if anything if it's a choice between us roughing it out ourselves uh on youtube or having to deal with you know the capricious decisions of uh an executive at a streaming service i think we'll take our chances on youtube it's less risky for you but so you don't think, uh, would you ever, if you were given the opportunity, right? If you were given the opportunity to put one of your series on a streaming service, would you ever take that chance then? Um, it would honestly have to depend on a, a lot of different factors. Uh, like, because to be honest, like we have 
you know, talked to streaming shows, like obviously they've seen some of the stuff that we've done and have talked to us. And some of the times we, you know, uh, just prefer to stay on YouTube for a little bit longer because we like what we're doing here and we're, we're comfortable in, in this zone. Um, I think really what we'd have to look for in a streaming service partner is um, if we can get at the very least the same amount of freedom that we have on YouTube, that would be like the bare minimum. Yeah, I haven't seen that many that many um, people say that they have that kind of freedom. So I think going for YouTube for a while is, is, is a very good option if you want to go with creative freedom. And you actually, your series are actually very good when it comes to creativity and when it comes to original ideas, because it's, it's so, I, I've never imagined to see so many futuristic pitches on when it comes to CGI animation. And that's something that I actually wanted to ask you. Why does Glitch specifically choose most of its animators series to be CGI? Uh, well, it was admittedly a bit of a just holdover, um, because, you know, we had been in SMG4 with, uh, Gmod animation. So 3D animations is more or less what we were most familiar with at the time. Uh, and we still to this day have no idea how to make a 2D department. Um, 3D is also just in our experience, a little bit cheaper, um, just with the techniques that we have um, using Unreal Engine 5. At the beginning, we used mocap uh, for a lot of things. So just from our perspective, it is a little bit, it, it is mostly just like a habit thing at this point. But I mean, by no means do we have any strong preference for 3D over 2D. If we found that we finally had the resources and skill to make a 2D show, we would love to do that. Um, we're just kind of We've been making 3D shows for this long. We don't know anything else yet. It's kind of like your essence now. It's kind of like the essence of uh, SMG4 and everything. Uh, and also, it's what your audiences also know you for. And that's another thing. You have 9 million people watching your shows and watching your series. And recently, just the Digital Circus hit 50 million, which congratulations, by the way. <laughs> Massive oh, congrats. You uh how how do you keep that kind of audience interested on specifically in a platform like youtube where people can just hop on to the next thing like immediately or just see all rec recommended other videos on the on the sideline so how do you keep them how do you keep that audience with you the whole way through to the series well i mean for one i will say that we have a really good marketing department um which you know i'm, I'm a part of and i work really closely with the team here uh and you know again being on youtube and being in charge of our own brand allows us the kind of freedoms to make weird marketing videos uh like one of the one of the things that always warms my heart is when i look in the comments of our marketing videos and everyone's just commenting like they put so much effort into these videos um we love these so much uh like i mean our our trailers were like a guy dressed up as one of our characters just pretending to be in a 90s um television ad uh and i don't think we can really do something like that at you know anywhere else other than you know on youtube where we control exactly what we can publish so um i mean that's one the other is just again 
uh, trying to make something that's like super unique that appeals to a niche audience because um, I, you know, once learned a really good lesson from um, Mark Rosewater, who is the head of Magic the Gathering over at like Wizards of the Coast, who mentioned that uh, if a lot of people like your product, but no one loves it, then your product's going to fail. So that's why we look for things that are just super unique and that will that we know will appeal really, really heavily to a certain audience, which is what I think we really found with Murder Drones and Digital Circus. Do you does Glitch specifically lean for a audience that's because I've read that you want to appeal to have a general appeal, but you want to make it sure that you are treating the audience as a mature one. So does that glitch have that kind of like a preference towards a mature audience or a young audience with kind of a like mature um, sense of humor or, or mind? Yeah, so I think, um, so for us, the glitch is largely composed of millennials and um, a lot of millennials will tell you like, you know, we grew up with cartoons that weren't afraid to scare kids uh like there's like, some really weird stuff back in the cartoons that we all grew up with there's uh some off-color jokes that are hidden throughout uh, a lot of those cartoons so we we already grew up with children's like quotation mark children's content that could still appeal to you know adults watching it and i think that's the kind of ethos that we carry through so like i mean murder drones has a lot of violence and there's a lot of like really scary moments but at the same time like the robots are just kind of goofy and funny and kind of cute digital circus you know there's an existential crisis like every five minutes uh but there's also clowns in it and it's bright and colorful um so from our perspective there's no real kids content it's just content that anyone can enjoy and how do you manage to actually make it so that you can keep it? Because another another thing that at least that I've seen a lot with YouTube and with also the algorithm is that sadly, peop- YouTube doesn't usually like when there's like either violence or swearing or kind of any kind of thing that kind of counter goes with the idea of what animation is quote unquote supposed to be for children or kind of like more of this mild and more of this um family friendly approach to it uh so how do you keep uh that kind of mature in your maturity in your animated shows and keep it relevant so that people in youtube can still see it without no problems yeah i mean so we do still keep to certain censorship um where you know we don't drop the f-bomb um a whole lot in uh our shows i don't think there's any usage of it at all um we we have violence but we don't make it super graphic or anything like it's not like watching saving private ryan um or watching a saw movie right um so you know we do everything tastefully and that's not just from like a censorship or trying to appeal to the algorithm i think for us like again something's not mature just because it has a lot of swearing and a lot of violence in it um for us mature just means like it's a story that can resonate with an adult 
And I think that's what a lot of our shows do. Actually, I think, yeah, I think your shows are actually very good when it comes to trying because it's, it's, it's just very good. And when it comes to mature, mature animated and indie shows in YouTube, what is kind of your idea of what the future will entail for the next few years of that kind of landscape in YouTube? Um, I mean, we've already seen like a pretty massive explosion uh, recently. I mean, uh, with Hell of a Boss and Husband Hotel really picking up um, like a few years ago and still going on with Hell of a Boss. Uh, Lack of Daisy uh, by Tracy Butler. Um, plus a whole bunch of other things that we're spotlighting uh, in our indie animation uh, convention next week at Glitch X. Um, we have so many big things coming out on YouTube, especially for the indie animation scene. And I think a lot of both people and audiences are really cottoning onto the idea that YouTube, with the freedom that it provides, is that place for indie animation and is an opportunity for, again, creators and stories that haven't been told a whole lot or served by a lot of the mainstream uh, networks to finally be told. And what is specifically the future for, for Glitch as a studio then? Um, we, we say this all the time. Uh, we just want to keep making really great stuff. Uh, for me, my, my goal is finish, finish the season, finish the seasons and don't get in a position where we have to uh like lay people off if that happens i'm perfectly happy that's amazing thank you so much for joining us today and i really hope the best for glitch and i cannot wait to keep watching more of your work yeah thank you so much Thank you so much to Jasmine Yang for speaking to Squiggly and to you, Mel, for the interview. Uh, as mentioned before, there's also a written chat with Digital Circus creator Gooseworks. Check that out on Squiggly. And to check out the pilot as well as all the other stuff Glitch has been up to, visit their YouTube channel at Glitch and their website is glitchprod.com. Not that they're exactly in need of a signal boost, uh, but some of you folks listening may get a kick out of what they do. So uh, check them out. Before I sign off, a quick plug for you Bristol and Bristol-adjacent animation folks, or really anyone who fancies making the trek. We're doing another edition of BAM! Bristol Animation Meetup with our pals at Sun and Moon Studios and Rumpus Animation on Thursday, December 14th from 6.30pm. These have been great fun, so I hope to see you there. As before, it'll take place at King Street Brewhouse, and we have an assortment of industry professionals who are kindly giving their time for one-on-one -on -one consultations. You can check out our Insta for info on who'll be there and how to book a slot. There's also going to be a raffle and some other festive surprises, so come on by. It'll be a blast. Final plug, the Squiggly Book Independent Animation, developing, producing, and distributing your animated films, a treasure trove of inspirational insight from some of the best names of the indie animation scene, including Kirsten Lepore, Bill Plimpton, Signa Bauman, Robert Kondo, Dice Sumi, Robert Morgan, Joseph Wallace, Don Hertzfeld, Pez, David O'Reilly, literally dozens more, as well as festival programmers, producers, curators. It's very dense. And it's on sale from now through to January 5th. That's right, if you buy it from Routledge.com, they've lopped off a whopping 20% off the usual price. 
and there's free international shipping as well. What a holiday treat for yourself or the indie animation enthusiast in your life. Uh, we have got at least one more Squiggly podcast coming up before the year is through, so stay alert. Of course, you won't miss a thing if you follow us on Instagram at Squiggly Animation or Facebook.com slash Squiggly Magazine. We're also at Squiggly on uh, X. The website is, of course, squiggly.com, S-K-W-I-G-L-Y. Mel, do you have any uh, socials you'd like to plug? Yeah, uh, people can follow me over on my Twitter at M-A-C-I-O, so that's M-A-C-I-O-N-C-O. Or they can follow me over on my Instagram at Melcionco, and yeah, see all the work that I do and all the future <laughs> articles that I'm going to be having with Squiggly. Wonderful stuff. Uh, and you can find me at Ben L. Mitchell on Instagram, facebook.com slash Ben Mitchell Creative. And my website is ben-mitchell.co.uk. Thank you again, Mel, and to all of you for listening. I've been Ben Mitchell. Until next time, happy animating. <laughs>